Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Welcome to the Bread of the Word podcast, a podcast striving to feast on God's Word and let the Bible speak to us all. Let us, as a former generation said, go ad fontes to the fountain and be nourished and sustained by all that God is. Let's dig in together. Well, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Bread of the Word podcast, where we go ad fontes to the fountain, to the Word of God, to be nourished and sustained by all that God is. As he's revealed himself to us, my name is Tyler, and we are actually taking a brief pause from our series in Job to consider Christ. Um, of course, we, we try to talk about the gospel in every episode, but truthfully, I need to be reminded um, of my identity in Christ, and so I have been digging this week into the character of Christ, and I would like to spend some time in Philippians 2 today talking about who Christ is, specifically, directly from the New Testament, which is kind of a shock for us. We've been in the Old Testament for a couple of years, actually. We've been in Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, and now we're in Job. So we're jumping to Philippians for this week, <clears throat> reading verses 6 through 11 of Philippians chapter 2. And it reads, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the likeness, by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So for some added context, let's look at the first couple of verses leading into um, <clears throat> what we just read. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then Paul says, adapt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And so this is in Philippians. This is Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. <clears throat> and he is in prison. 
he is imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And this is his letter to the church in Philippi while literally in jail. And while this, you would think this would be the worst set of circumstances for Paul, and he'd be very, very depressed, very, very downtrodden, and his letter would be very much a lament. It's actually considered by most people to be one of the most encouraging letters in the New Testament. And one of the key phrases in this book is, make my joy complete. And so he exhorts the church to make my joy complete by thinking the same way as Christ. Having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, if any of this is true, which we know that it is, then make my joy complete by thinking the same way. <clears throat> and so he says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. To be as painfully literal with the Greek as we can is think among yourselves, which also is in Christ. Which, to simplify that word salad, we get adopt the same attitude. But literally, we're talking about thinking about ourselves according to what is in Christ. And so how we look at ourselves requires us to look at Christ first. You know, who, how we understand who we are, we have to understand who God is. Who is this Jesus? That we would bear his name as Christians. <clears throat> One of the Ten Commandments is do not bear the name of the Lord in vain. So for us to call ourselves Christians, to take that name upon ourselves, what name are we bearing? And so adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Who? Thinking back to who he is now, before we get to the attitude, who is he? He exists in the form of God. And did not consider himself, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. <clears throat> so existing in the form of God quite literally means that he is God. If we go to we go to Hebrews for some added clarity on what we mean by the form of God. Because there's a lot of ways we can misunderstand that. There's a lot of ways that that's been twisted throughout history. So, Hebrews 1. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us literally in his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. And the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his substance, of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. So it's going to tie into Philippians 2 a little bit down the way. But he is the radiance of his glory. He is the exact expression 
of his nature. That there's not a division between the Father and the Son. It's not we have this big blob we call God, and that's one of the challenges with talking about the Trinity, is we have this tendency to think about this big blob <clears throat> and say that's God. But we have three persons united in a single divine essence. And so Christ, the exact expression of his nature, is very much in the form of God. But he did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. That this equality with God, his stance as being God, as being the Son, in that Trinitarian relationship with the Father and Spirit, was not something to be exploited. Literally, it's not robbery. Why? Because his standing with the Father, his relationship with the Father and Spirit was not something that was stolen. It's not something that he had to break rules to get. It's not something that was undue. But his, his equality with God was good. It was perfect. And so since it was rightfully his, it wasn't robbery to have it. And it wasn't a problem for him to lose it. So he emptied himself. Why? Because he was willing to do so. <clears throat> and so since he considered equality with God as something that was due, he was well within his, his, his lane to empty himself. And how did he empty himself? By assuming the form of a servant. No, we just had, had him existing in the form of God. But now it says that he assumes the form of a servant. That's not in place of the form of God. He was still a God. He was still divine and deified. But we add this layer. We add this form of a servant. And when he had come as a man, taking on the likeness of humanity... Um, literally, having been found as a man, as a human. He assumed the form of a servant. The word um, in Greek there for servant um, is a hard word because the word is doulos, and to be painfully literal, it means slave. And a lot of translations don't put it that way. Because, honestly, it just doesn't sit well with us to think of Christ as a slave, to think of Paul as a slave. Paul, this was his favorite way to put it, was Paul, slave of Christ. Doulos of Christ. But Christ took on the humble form of a slave in the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself. By what? By becoming obedient to the point of death. Thanatu physical death. Even to death on a cross. <clears throat> so God, the Son, co-eternal with the Father and Spirit, co-equal in essence, co-equal in majesty, 
comes down. Takes on the humble form of a servant. Takes on, he wraps himself in flesh and dwells among us. He comes as a baby. He grows up. He experiences human development. You want to talk about humility. This is Christ who made the world. In the beginning was the Word. He was there in the beginning with God. And through him, all things were made. And to take that same Christ, who made the world by the word of his power, and to put him in a child and send him to school. To sit under the authority of scribes and teachers and parents, and all these people that, in all reality, should have bowed to him. But Christ willfully put himself in a scenario where he was under people. He sat under teachers. He sat under, essentially, he sat under a church board. He sat under the authority like any other child, like any other person in that time. And eventually, he, was, he submitted himself to the most human experience, being death. It says in Hebrews that it is appointed unto all men to die once, and then comes the judgment. And likewise, Christ was appointed unto death. He wrapped himself in human flesh. He put on a human nature and lived among us and partook in the most human experience possible and died. And was obedient to that death. And it says, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Acts chapter 2. Once I find it, I went to Acts 20. That's not it. Acts chapter 2. Verse 36. It says, Let the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Let's back up to verse 29. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you. These are the words of Peter about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He, has, he was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. That's Psalm 16.10. God raised this Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into, into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, 
Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Having been obedient to death on a cross, Christ died in our place as our substitute. And God raises Jesus from the dead. He does not still sleep. And God, it says, highly exalted him. And gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. And to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, <clears throat> throughout just a, a hint more Greek, the word is kurios, which had long been used by Greek speaking Jews as the equivalent of the name Yahweh. So not only is it a declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's also affirming that he is God. That I and the Father are one. And the glory of God the Father is not diminished by this exaltation of Christ as being given the name that is above every name. That as every knee bows to Christ and every tongue confesses his lordship, the glory of the Father is not diminished. There's not this um, division here where they're fighting for glory or anything like that, but it is Christ is the radiance of the Father. And this is whom we are called to imitate. Paul beckons us to imitate Christ, to adopt the same attitude as Christ, who existed in the form of God, but his equality with God was not robbery. Therefore, he was willing to empty himself and take on the humble form of a slave and became obedient to the, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And God exalted him. God gave him the name that is above every name. That every knee will bow. Whether willingly or grudgingly, every knee will bow to Christ, who has been made Lord and Messiah. And so what does Paul say after this? He says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his, pur to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation recognizing who God is. Because God is just. God is holy and we are not. And God would have a place, would have the right 
to leave us condemned because we are rebel sinners but God has been gracious to grant us repentance to grant us a way back and so let us strive to know the God who is just and is also love and both those hands are ours to experience that we can know that God is just but we can also know that God is a God of grace a God of mercy we've got a plenty of mercy as it says in the Psalms and they don't contradict but this is all God this is all both of these are for us to know and experience as we know God as we are drawn to him further and further as we are grafted into his family as we are beckoned into the heart of Christ to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus to experience the same fellowship with the Father that Jesus modeled in the Gospels this is why when he taught his disciples to pray he starts off with our Father not my Father but our Father because as we draw nearer to the heart of Christ we draw nearer to the Father and Spirit we draw nearer to God that we commune with Christ with the Father and with the Spirit and this union with Christ because of what he did on the cross accomplishes this so in closing consider who you are by considering who Christ is and just as Paul said make my joy complete by thinking the same way and having the same love may we also be found as people who think the same way and have the same love who can pray as Christ prayed our Father thank you for listening this has been the Bread of the Word podcast Bread of the Word is a podcast ministry striving to feed people the wonderful words of God book by book, chapter by chapter and verse by verse striving to let the word speak for itself this ministry is also a member of the Truth and Love Network, a diverse fellowship of fellow podcasts of different theological backgrounds united in the gospel of God. For more from the Bread of the Word podcast or the Truth and Love Network, check out the links below and follow us on social media. Until next time, God bless. Matthew 4.4 4.